0: welcome to the legacy nashville podcast we are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in we pray that this message encourages you to love god love people and change the world now let's get to the message it's, it feels like an interesting morning i don't know why it just feels uniquely different right now i don't know does anybody else sense that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm torn between um, going through the motions and just blowing the whole thing up and saying, ah, forget it. Let's just pray more. And I, and I like I, I know that those sound like two extremes. It's just right now in this season, I feel allergic to going through the motions. O- honestly, I really do. And, and we have some friends here, Chauncey and Christy. They just moved here from Shreveport, Louisiana, and so welcome you guys, uh, so happy that you guys are here, and it's, it's strategic that you're here, because I know you guys are allergic to going through the motions, and so this is intentional that you're here, and I just want to say thanks to adding your voice uh, to the melody of praise this morning. I know I felt encouraged, you guys were sitting behind me as I was worshiping here, and so just hearing you worship... It was like wind in my worship sales man so thank you so much for and then you guys are sitting to it and sitting next to a real one right there she's really going to go after it too so so lord we just want to say thank you for being here is it cool if we pray just a little bit longer before we get into the word i do have a word for you guys at least i think i have a word for you guys but man i just so desperately want a fresh touch from the lord I heard a friend of mine say one time, like, it's not even a service until Jesus shows up. Like, they'll host services and they'll go in worship for two and three hours sometimes. And then once they all sense, everybody in the room senses that Jesus is also in the room in a big way, then they start preaching. I'm like, man, I like that. I like your style. You know, I don't know how many uh, parents would be able to enjoy a service like that on a Sunday morning. Or how many childcare workers would be able to manage um, that, that kind of patience. But thankfully, we have an incredible family here that is so hungry for you, Lord. And Lord, we just speak that aloud from our hearts. We are so hungry for you. We are so desperate for your presence. We are so thirsty to receive a fresh word from you today, God. We desperately want a fresh touch from heaven. We will not be satisfied with leftovers. We're grateful. We're grateful for everything that you pour out, God. But we take the mantle of our sonship and we say we will not be satisfied with leftovers. We know that you have fresh bread for sons and daughters, Lord. We know that we're not paupers in the house but we're sons and daughters in the house. And so we have been given authority to approach your throne of grace boldly and ask you for what we need as well as what we want. And Lord, we know you're going to supply every need because you know what we need before we even ask you for it. But God, we're not coming before you today asking you to meet our needs. We're coming before you today sharing with you what we want. Some of y'all better get behind me or I'm just going to pray the rest of the time. I I am asking you, Lord, for a move of the Holy Ghost that is unprecedented in this house. And, And by unprecedented, I don't just mean Legacy Nashville. I'm talking about House of Blessing and all the decades that church took place in this facility long before we ever got here. The revival, the move of the Holy Spirit that sent waves of the anointing from here to upstate New York. Lord, I proclaim and declare that you will make this place not only a place of visitation, God, but a place of habitation. Lord, we have been going deep in prayer room. We've been digging wells. And Lord, we expect to drink from those wells today. We expect for the city to drink from those deep wells today. We expect as we draw upon those wells and pull forth everything that you have poured in, Lord, for a city to be refreshed, for a nation to be refreshed, for the nations of the world to be refreshed as a result of what you're doing in us and what you're doing in this house and what you're doing in this city that has been set up on a hill. Lord, we cry out and we call out and we ask you for more because we want more. We want revival. We want it personally and we want it corporately. We want the name of Jesus to break us into a million tiny pieces. We want the name of Jesus to move us to tears. We want the word to stir us up every morning when we wake up and every night when we go to bed that the last thing that would be up on our minds is the face of Jesus. Lord, do a work in us, do a mighty work in us. Shake everything that can be shaken. Shake us down to the foundations, God shake us to the core lord search us lord if there's any hidden sin in us cleanse us and purify us god because we want you and so anything that stands in the way of this god we say no we reject it we refuse it and we say get out we want jesus and only jesus amen lord amen lord see i grew up i grew up in a holiness pentecostal church and so we did a lot of prayer meetings for about four to five hours so what i just did that would be a praying church mama for at least two of those four hours (laughs) and if you didn't get with her she'd come get you i'm telling you the truth man there were many times in service where i would try my best to just sit in the back with my sketch pad and my Aunt Nellie would come back and grab me by the ear and she would bring me up to the front in the altar space and say, we're going to pray through. And if you don't know what praying through is, it means basically speaking in tongues until you're moved to tears and then you're open enough to receive the touch of the Holy Spirit that He has for you on that specific day. Some of you guys, you just need to pray through. If, if, If prayer is boring, you just haven't prayed long enough yet. It's true. If prayer is boring, just keep praying because you'll come to a place, it's like a door in the wall. You'll come to a place in which your boredom will meet God's breakthrough. And when that happens, I'm telling you the truth, prayer will get so entertaining. And that's not even why we pray, but it'll be entertaining because it will become the place of encounter. We don't seek entertainment, we seek encounter. But when we get, inter- it, it, when we get encounter, we also get entertainment. You know, because what is it? Psalm 16, in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of entertainment. I mean, just to ad lib, just a little bit, right? It gets so fun when you get into the presence of God. You know why? Because glory is your natural habitat as a new creation. This is where we long to live. This is where your soul takes its own delight in your creator. This is the place of the presence. And that's the type of people that we want to be. We just refuse to do business as usual. We just refuse to do church as normal. We just refuse normality, mediocrity, apathy. We just refuse it. We just say no to it. We say we don't want it. We say we're allergic to it. And we can do that in this season like never before because there's like 18 people in the room. And 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 we're going to live stream here the another service in about an hour. But, you know... I just don't care what happens. As long as God gets His glory, then we had a successful church service. And it's a unique season for that. We can't, we can't always do that. So let's take advantage, because what the enemy meant for evil, God will turn around for the good every single time, every single time. Well, hey, before we dive into the Word, I just want to say a massive, huge, and tremendous happy birthday to Pastor Maggie White. She, I didn't know if you were going to make it in or not, but we just want to say happy birthday to you. Can we just give her a big round of applause and honor her and thank her for blessing us? You, you may have thought I was going to miss you, but no, I was waiting on you to come out of the nursing mom's room, and I was like, we got to say happy birthday to Pastor Maggie, so happy birthday, sis. Glad you were born. We're all better because of it, and that's the truth, isn't it, church? We're all better. Did you hear Milo giving you a shout out there as well? Hallelujah. Let's go. So uh, real quick, as you turn in your Bible to Psalm chapter 68, I know that's a probably a unique verse of scripture to be turning to on a Sunday morning, but we're going to Psalm chapter 68. The heading there reads, God shall scatter his enemies. That's a good time to shout right there. God shall scatter his enemies. That is a good prophetic word. Amen. Uh, and before we dive in here, I just want to make you guys aware of what we're doing with uh, COVID-19 and and our city's process for reentry. As you know, we have postponed our reentry. And um, I want you to know that our intent is not to retreat. But we are also putting a pause on our advance and we're just staying right here for a little bit longer to see what God would have us do. Our heart, our goal, our intent is to honor the Lord and to honor the leaders that the Lord has appointed in our city in this season. And so we want to stay in step with our city. We want to honor uh, our leaders as well as Governor Bill Lee, as well as our president. We want to honor our leaders And so what we've decided to do is just pause right here and we will stay up to date with you every step of the way to let you know what we are sensing. So if you don't mind, those of you who are watching online, um, just pray with us and ask the Lord for wisdom as to how we can be a part of his house in this season. Notice I said his house. Not our house. Amen. I'm thankful to be in the house of God. Amen. But I'm more thankful to know the God of the house. Amen. Let me say it again. I'm thankful that you found the house of God. But you know what I'm praying for you? That you find the God of the house. Because it's not just enough to attend church. You must be tended to by the person of Jesus that is the true meaning of going to church you don't go to church until you go to Jesus amen Psalm 68 how many of you guys are there you're there look at your neighbor saying you're here it's important tell them say you're here you're here You're here on purpose. You're not here by accident. You're here. Verse 1 said, God shall arise. Somebody say, get up. Woo! God is gonna get up, and His enemies shall be scattered. And those who hate him shall flee before him. This is a good word right now. As smoke is driven away, so you shall drive them away. As wax melts before fire, so the wicked shall perish before God. But the righteous, everybody say, that's me, shall be entertained. But the righteous shall have joy, but the righteous shall be glad. They shall exult before God and they shall be jubilant with joy. If I could preach this again, I would title the message jubilant with joy. But I've got a different assignment today. Verse 4 says, sing to God, sing praises to his name, lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts. Just because you're going through a wilderness is not a reason to stay silent. When you're riding through the desert is the right time to start singing. His name is the Lord. Exalt before Him. Now get this, verse 5, it says, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows Is who? God, where? In His holy habitation. Somebody say the presence. See, in the presence, the fatherless find home. In the presence, the orphan finds a dad. In the presence, the widow finds a companion. In the presence, the impoverished find riches. The holy habitation, now catch this, verse 6, God settles, everybody say settles, the solitary, everybody say the solitary, where? In a home. God settles the solitary in a home and he leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. That's the last verse of Scripture that I'm going to read to start. Let's just uh, all repeat verse 6 together if you've got it in front of you. God settles the solitary in a home. What else? He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. Amen. Lord, we ask you today to rest upon this word specifically. We know you rest upon your word eternally. But God, we ask that you would intentionally deposit things into our spirit that you have for us today. Lord, every single one of your plans shall go forth, and it will accomplish every intent that you had when you woke us up this morning with fresh mercy. So Lord, we say we receive it. We agree with it. We declare it will bear 100-fold fruit. The enemy will not snatch it up. The sun will not scorch it, but every seed that is sown as a result of your word today will bear 100-fold fruit in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Awesome. So, I have kind of an interesting thought for you guys today. And as I prepared it this week, I was like, man, I hope this works out. Because it's just very interesting. So, everybody just say, we're going to go with you. All of you guys at home, just say, we're with you. I can hear you right now by the Spirit in the amen corner. We're going to go with you. Let's go. So you guys all know and you're familiar with Psalm 68 and 6. If you've been going to church here for a while, you've heard us say this before. God places the lonely in families. Because one of the things that we love to say here at Legacy is that we're not just a ministry. We are a family. And as the way that we define family is this. It's where you're loved into your purpose, amen. So like you are accepted as you are, you are affirmed in who you are as an image bearer of God, but God has a plan and a purpose for your life. So we're here to help you with that process so that you can come to a place of maturity and you can fulfill God's purpose in your life. That is the kind of family that I believe that God intends for us to be. Do you guys agree? So we've been saying Psalm 68 and 6 for a long time, God places the lonely in families. But I don't know about you, when I get attached to a specific verse, I love to pull up um, all of the verses, like the parallel verses. Do you guys do that when you're studying sometimes? If you don't, Bible Hub has a great resource, and then you just read it through in different versions. I like reading the Amplified, and I really love to throw it back to the old King Jimmy. I love it. So, you know, sometimes it's like you just gotta go KJV. You know what I mean? And because um, it's it's poetic, it's sometimes more profound, and there are moments in which it is the most accurate. It's not always the case, but meaning with the original language, God setteth. Yeah, we're going there. God setteth. Everybody say setteth. Said. The solitary. You guys go with me. The solitary in families. God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth, right, out those which are bound with chains. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. I don't want to be rebellious. Amen. Oh, man, I don't have time to go into that, but I'm resisting the temptation right now to talk about that. But the first thing that we see here is that God setteth. Everybody say, setteth. So, God sets. God sets. You must know this about the family that you're a part of. You weren't sent here. You were set here. Okay, I want you to listen. You were not sent here. You were set here. You are not in the seat that you're in this morning by any accident. But you are in the seat that you've been set in this morning by coincidence. <laughs> and, and, and what I mean is that a coincidence is an incident that is co to God, you, and by divine coincidence, see you think it 's happenstance, but no, no, see it 's a divine coincidence that you have been set, not sent, but you have been set in the seat that you are sitting in this morning. Good. We think that that life just happens by happenstance, like oh, that was just a you know, that was a coincidence, and but they're divine coincidences. It's cooperation between the Spirit and us. We don't always acknowledge it, but God does things to put His people together, and you're thinking, how in the world did I meet her? You know, I just thought we were working at the same high school where Bliss was a teacher and Seth was a coach, and then coincidentally, we just happened to meet that one afternoon in the hallway, and I thought, man, he's handsome, and I thought, whoa, she's good looking, and Here it is a couple of years later, and we're married and celebrating six months. What a coincidence. I think not. It's a divine coincidence that God just happened to set you there. You weren't weren't sent there. You didn't didn't choose uh, just to be there, but there was an element, and I do believe in freedom of choice, but there was an element of divine coincidence where God set you there. He set you there. You didn't choose to sit here. But God set you. The seat that you're sitting in this morning, God set you there. You know, while I can sit where I choose, to be set somewhere is completely different, isn't it? I, I can choose. I, I'm going to sit here. I, I'm going I'm to choose to sit down right here. But no, no, that's not what happened when God put us in this family. God chose to set us here. And so to be set somewhere, I have to be acted upon by an outside force. You guys catch what I'm saying here? In order for me to be set somewhere, then someone has to take intentional action towards me. Someone has to pick me up and they have to say, you're you're going to set here. Now, I get these two words mixed up all the time because I'm from Kentucky. And my wife actually says, like, you're saying sit. And I'm saying, yeah, it's what I'm saying. You, you said set. It's sit. You say it sit, not I'm setting here. No, it's... But I'm starting to recognize that in reality, as it pertains to God's house, I ain't sitting here. I'm sitting here. I'm telling you, it's the truth. I ain't sitting here. I'm sitting here. You know why? Because God setteth the solitary in a home. God sets the solitary. God sets intentional action Action acted upon by an outside force. He has set the solitary, the solitary, the, 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 the solitary in a home. I started thinking about that this week. And I said, where have I heard that word before? The solitary. Because immediately our minds began to run to loneliness or isolation. But as I begin to think a little bit further about what it means to be a solitaire. I couldn't help but to think about Diamonds. Hold on, wait, Lord. (laughs) I've always looked at this passage as though I was some piece of trash before you picked me up. That I was some kind of garbage before you found me. You mean that you have picked me up and you have set the solitaire in a home? Now, I, I, I asked my wife's permission, would you mind to bring me a ring, or if somebody could bring me her ring? She has a baby. I want to show you guys, like, so my wife has this ring, and it's, it's a really cool ring, actually, I think so, and, um, and, and she, okay, awesome. So I want you guys to get a, get a, you know, it fits on half of my pinky, right? And, and this is a cool ring. Everybody say, yeah, it's a cool ring. Everybody saying you did good. Yeah, and so I'm going to tell you the story about this ring. So the interesting story about this ring is is this, and I I should probably not preach the whole message like this, because if somebody catches a screenshot of this video, they're going to be like, look at him. Um, But I'm going to at least show you right now. Um, So Allison and I had been dating for a little bit, and I was in Mozambique. And one morning, I was having breakfast with my spiritual mom, Heidi Baker, and she said to me, why are you not engaged? And uh, I wasn't engaged for a reason different than what I shared with her. I wasn't engaged because I was afraid. But I said, I don't have a ring. And she said, well, we'll take care of that today. I'm going to go get some rings for you. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know. So she came out. And and then she gave me a ring, and uh, the ring that she gave me was not this ring, but it had this stone, this diamond, and it was a solitaire. Everybody say solitaire. It was a solitaire diamond. Then she presented me with another ring, and she said, do you like this one better? I said, I don't really know. She said, well, here, take both, and then you can decide which one you want to give her, and when we see each other next, just give me the other one back. And I thought, okay, well that works And um, so I had two ring boxes And I remember placing them in my closet And then James Gall came to preach for us And as Allison and I were dating Sitting on the front row, he looked at me and he said The word of the Lord is, Lyle Where's your ring? And um, I was Frustrated by that, because I thought That was inappropriate prophecy And And um, You know, I thought to myself, you can't say things like that. No dates, no mates, no babies. Like, that's the rules. And I remember I told James that, and he said, I made up those rules. I'm allowed to break them. So I said, okay, well, I guess that works for me. And I went home later that night, and I knew where those two rings were. They were at the top of my closet on top of some uh, sneakers. And I said, Lord, I said, "Um, I am giving you uh, your rings back. And he said, no, I didn't ask you to give them back to me. I just asked you where they were. You're going to make a decision on what to do with them. Empowerment, right? That's the way that our father uh, talks to me, at least. And so, as I began to think about um, this verse of Scripture this week, I began to think about that story a little bit. And when Allison and I did get engaged, I took the solitaire uh, diamond that Mama Heidi had given to me. And I, I took it to a jeweler and I said, hey, can you take this diamond and have it set in a different uh, setting? I, I would like to create a custom ring for my bride. Are you guys picking up any analogies in this? And, and so I, I, I gave him the, the precious stone. And I said, this is very important to me. It's now an heirloom uh, stone because it was given to me by my mother and he said okay well I'm going to set it I'm going to take this solitaire diamond and then I'm going to set it into what a jeweler would refer to as a, a halo setting and you guys all know that very angelic of that, that's, that, that's that grouping uh, of, of smaller stones around it or, or some might say that is the grouping of a family of stones That it is surrounded by. So whenever God says, I'm not going to wear this on my pinky, that I am going to set the solitaire in a family... It's interesting to me that God takes on so many names all throughout Scripture. We know He's the good shepherd. We know He is the cornerstone of the church. We know that He is the chief apostle of the church. We know that He is the lion. He's also the lamb. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the author. He's the finisher. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He's Emmanuel. He's all these different things. Like, God is like is a consistent narrative all throughout Scripture. But God in this passage is like a jeweler. It's, it's, I don't think that it's a coincidence that the root word of jewelry is Jew. Just saying, because there is great wealth that we know that whenever God brought His people out of 400 years of slavery, He brought them out with great wealth. He brought them out with jewelry, which is when that, to my understanding, word got its start. Interesting. And so I'm thinking, okay, the Lord is actually in this passage of Scripture A jeweler. So he finds solitaire jewels and then he places them in a family setting. And that is just a little bit of an allusion uh, to who we actually are when God finds us. We're not the trash that we thought that we were. We're not just those that get scraped up from the bottom of the barrel as though we thought that we were. We're not yucky and disgusting and all battered and bruised and messed up and not good for anything. But God finds us and as he sees us, he doesn't see us according to our sin, but he sees us according to the potential of our purpose. Right? And I I love when people say, man, I've been saved from my sin. Hallelujah. It's awesome. You were saved from your sin and that's a reason to rejoice, but you can't stop there. You have to remember that you are moving into a great purpose. And so it's great for us to, you know, praise God for setting us free from sin, but that's only the origin story of this diamond that you are. Right? But you are being set. Everybody say set into a family we are diamonds we are stones we are precious we are rare the bible actually refers to us as living stones in first peter two and five you yourselves like living stones look at your neighbor say that's you you guys didn't do it everybody say that's you you yourselves are like living stones are being built up as what as a spiritual house everybody say the church you guys are seeing how this is interconnected. To be what? A holy priesthood. Not only are we called to be kings with a vertical ministry, right? But we're also called to be priests. Reconciliation to one another. And those can go both ways. 1 Peter 2 and 5. This is who we are. And so, as I began to, uh, <laughs> to think about this this week, I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call our friend Tim, who's a jeweler. Maggie knows Tim. Rick knows Tim. He is, Tim is a master jeweler, and he is a part of our church. And so I began to look into this, and I thought to myself, man, I wonder if he has any revelation about jewels and about diamonds, and if this is the case and we can really compare ourselves to this solitary, beautiful jewel that is being set intentionally Into a family of stones, then maybe Tim will give me some revelation. And here is some notes from that conversation. He said, It's like 1% of the 1% of the 1% of diamonds that make it into a piece that is crafted by a master jeweler. It's so rare. And that piece, uh, most diamonds, in fact, are used for other purposes, but that piece is so carefully selected, so meticulously selected. It's never selected on the basis of secondhand information. It's never selected on the basis of uh, an advertisement. It's never based... Uh, That selection is never based upon what somebody in the office said. But no, this master jeweler has to personally get his hands on this jewel in order to say, yep, this one right here is fit to be placed in the ornament of this sacred ring. So when you think about the father sorting through all of the dirt and the sin and the disgust and all of that, he put his hands on you. And he said, no, no, it's not just, you know, some random stone. No, this is that one. This is that one. I've seen it. I've looked at it. I've. I've touched it. I've participated in it. I now know that this is the one that I select. This is that precious stone out of all the other precious stones that I am going to take and I'm going to use this one and I'm going to set it within this setting. You guys getting a picture of how this family thing works here just a little bit. So a master jeweler, takes great care in the selection of the stone. And so once the stone is selected, this is what Tim told me, each step must be made perfectly before going on to the next one. Each step. He said that when it comes to setting the stone, the master jeweler works very, very hard and very, very long and very, very intentionally to set the stone so perfectly. Because if the stone is inappropriately set or improperly set, then the stone can get loose, his words, not mine, and become lost. I'm like, keep going, bro. You're preaching to me today. If the stone is improperly set, it can get loose and get lost. And I think about Jesus leaving the 99 to go for the one. It's a a stone got loose. The set, there was something in the setting That just quite wasn't functioning the way in which the jeweler designed and it got loose. And so he said, I got to get that stone. I'm not okay with one specific solitaire being loose and lost somewhere. I'm going to get that and I'm going to put that, I'm going to set that in a particular setting. He said, but when the stone has been set properly, get this, it won't come loose for a lifetime. He said, when a stone is set properly, which takes great care and takes a long time, right? Then it becomes an heirloom piece. It can actually be something that is generational. Tim, you're preaching, just keep going. And he said, here's what matters most as it pertains to the setting. What matters most is who sets it. Because when a master jeweler sets it properly, It becomes a generational heirloom. And so one of the things that we have to be sure of, especially as we're choosing, and we're not really choosing, but, you know, as we recognize the the family in which God has birthed us into, is that God is setting us into that place properly. It's not just the church that we feel most comfortable in, it's the church that God has called us to be set in. Amen? And so the stone then goes through a process, and this is my word, not his, I would call this maturity. No process, no maturity. Just as a general statement, let me say it again. No process, no maturity. Maturity requires a process. And so the stone then goes through this process. And he said, you know, if a step is skipped, if there's ever a step that gets skipped, skipped, then a jeweler does something they call chasing their mistake. And so what they do is they actually go back, oh, this, I don't know if you guys are catching how profound and prophetic this is, but they go back to the step that had been skipped and they start to work over. In this process of being set into your family, there are going to be necessary steps that you have to walk through some of those steps are going to be difficult they're going to be painstaking and they're going to require a process but that process is for the purpose of your maturity somebody once said that the orphan spirit could be nicknamed the shortcut spirit so anytime you're like i'm gonna skip that step i'm gonna gloss over that step i don't really need that input i don't really i'm not thankful for that feedback i don't right now i'm fine And you're missing a step in the process of being set into the family. And as a result, the master jeweler has to say, you know what? We got to chase our mistake here. We got to take you back to that place where you decided that you didn't want to confront that stuff in your heart that I had given grace on for you to be healed of that. And we got to take you back to that spot and then we're going to work on that spot. And it might take a little while, but it's okay if it takes a long time because every process has a pace. Every process has a pace. Every process has a pace. Purpose plus pace plus process equals product. The master jeweler, he says, here's the purpose of this stone. You have a purpose. You should just say over yourself right now, I have a purpose. And guess who gave it to you? God, <laughs> the master jeweler, the one who fashioned you, informed you, you have a purpose. And in order for you to fulfill that purpose, he's gonna take you through a process and that process is going to have a pace. And here's the thing, a master jeweler does things so slowly You know why? Because he doesn't do it for volume. This is what Tim told me. This ain't from me. This is what Tim told me. He said, when you have a jeweler that does it strictly for volume, then it gets loose faster. When you build only for the numbers, the jewels get loose quicker. But when you go through the painstaking process and you allow the pace to be determined by perfection and the standard of perfection then you come out with a product that has been settled not only for a lifetime, but generationally. How is this not a message called legacy? Right? I'm like, what? Tim. I was, I'm like, if I could throw my shoe at you, I would, bro. Like, this is a message. Process. And so as as we begin to talk about process, and he, you know, he talked about how many hours it takes to, to craft a particular piece, and sometimes he said, it takes hundreds of hours. Hundreds. Hundreds of hours to, to process. And, and we get so annoyed with pace, don't we? We get so annoyed. Do you know that God is putting you together in such a way that what you do in this life has generational impact? Don't skip steps. And don't demand that the jeweler manufacture you for the purpose of volume. Well, I need more follows. I need more money. I need more. I need more. Of the, I need no, no. Let the master jeweler perfect you over time through a process, his pace, so that the finished product is generational. Process, process. And so, they, they, he's like, you know, whenever the master jeweler finds a gym, right? So, everybody say, I've been found. I'm telling you, you're all saved in, the, in here today, I know. We, we ain't got enough people in the room for anybody to be unsaved. You guys are all volunteers and staff. But listen, if you need to get born again, again, today's your day, all right? We, we can do that too. But when a master jeweler finds a stone, you're a stone. You're a living stone, is what Peter said. You're a living stone. This fit together for the purpose of what God's household, right? You're a priest. You're a king, right? These are the things that are true about you, right? And so, whenever, whenever a master jeweler selects a stone to take through a process, the very first thing that he has to do, or she has to do, is cut it. Oh man. That, that don't feel good, does it? Take your son, Abraham, and, and, and all the men and circumcise him. Woo! I'm an adult, you know. That would have been better on the eighth day of my life. Nope. <laughs> cut him. I'm going to cut you. Right? Um, that is not the news that anybody likes to hear. That you mean to tell me that once I have been called by God, means I'm going to be cut? No, you know, I don't know if I'm with that. I want, I, I want to be called by God, but I don't want to be cut. Well, then you've decided where your growth is going to stop. Now get this, like whenever a master jeweler decides to cut on a diamond... He can't just use any old saw. He can't just get a hacksaw. He can't just get a bandsaw. He has to get something specific to cut on that diamond. And here's the knowledge that Tim dropped on me, is that the only thing that you can use to cut on a diamond is another diamond. So God takes you and he puts you in a family, marriage, he takes you and he puts you in a church. He takes you and he puts you in a company. He takes you and he puts you on a team. And he says, here's what I'm going to do to take you through your process. I'm going to surround you with a family of diamonds. Oh, you're a solitaire. Oh, you're called to be beautiful. But I'm going to strategically place you in the community that's going to cut on you. (laughs) No, no, I just want to be comfy. I want all the feels of community. Well, here's the feels. Cut. (laughs) You're going to have the cozy, you're going to have the cozy feel. You're going to have the joy. You're going to have all that. But if you don't stay current with God and stay into the presence of God, then you won't have that. And the only thing that you'll highlight that happens in your life is the cutting. And then you'll forget whose hand is on you. But the master jeweler, he puts you there, and he's like, okay, here's the only thing that I'm going to be able to use to cut on this diamond. This diamond's going to need to be perfected by a process, and that process happens in a context, and that context is a family, and that is what God refers to as his church that he's building, that he's building. Not that we're building, but that he's building and we know Proverbs 27:17 says as iron sharpens iron so one person sharpens another not only do does does a, a a master jeweler use a diamond to cut on a diamond but then a master jeweler uses a diamond to polish another diamond so as you're going through the process, the things that not only cut away, because there's gonna, you're going to have some cutting experiences within the context of a kingdom community. I'm sorry to tell you, if you just got saved, I'm, I'm, I'm bummed for you, but it's coming down the pipe. So just get ready, okay? Stay planted. Don't get loose. Don't get lost. Stay planted within the context in which God has set you. Not the place that you've chosen to sit, but the place that God has set you. So that when you start getting cut on, you recognize that I'm in a process and that process has a finished product in mind and it's the mind of it is, is the master jeweler, and the master jeweler then is going to polish me. He's going to refine all of my edges, and he's going to use another diamond within the context of, of community in order to do that. And then when he comes to the place where he can see his reflection, and to where light, capital L, starts to refract and refract from that, uh, from that precious stone, he said, oh, it's ready. I, I can see light. I can see my reflection. Oh, this is good. This is good. This thing's ready to be worn. This thing's ready to be seen. This thing's ready to be publicized. This thing's ready to be exalted. This thing's ready to be lifted up. This thing. But but you know some folks are like I I, I just want the public I just want the the, the public uh, process of being worn on the finger. I don't want to be cut on. I don't want to be polished. I won't be seen. Well, one precedes the other. And this is what leads to perfection. It leads to the place when the diamond can reflect the light properly. And shine as the jeweler intends. God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains. But the, but the rebellious uh, dwell in a dry land. God setteth. Everybody say sets. The solitary. Everybody say Solitary. And then he bringeth out those which are bound with chains. Not only does diamond have the ability to cut diamond, but diamond has the ability to cut metal. So you have to understand that whenever a construction worker goes to cut a chain, he's going to use a diamond-tipped blade. You see, what I'm, you see where I'm going with this? Is that not only is God gonna cut on you a little bit with some other diamonds, but God is also going to use you, work through you to cut the chains off of the oppressed, to cut the chains off of those who are bound, right? 98% of all diamonds in the world are used for construction. So if you want the best, then you go and you get a Diamond, it's diamond tip blades that cut chains. And this is a part of our purpose. We're not perfected just to shine, but to bring out those who are bound in chains. I know sometimes we think of salvation and the process to maturity as just coming to a place of exaltation, just coming to a place of, I look good, I feel good, I am good, I'm doing good. No, you are called to be a part of setting other people free, those who are bound in chains. God doesn't beautify you just to wear you, but to cut. Cut away at the chains that hold down the oppressed. That's what God wants to use you for. And one of the interesting things, and I'm I'm closing with this, one of the interesting things that I am learning in this season is that God has an intentionality. God does nothing chaotically. Everything that God does is methodical. Even what I mentioned to you earlier about coincidence, I want you to think about how God works through every seemingly insignificant situation to accomplish His, His purposes in the earth. I mean, you look at the creation story, which we talked about over a couple of weeks ago, right? Day one, day two, God is meticulous. God is methodical. God does everything strategically. God is calculated. God does these things so intentionally, right? The way in which God takes us and sets us is, has a great intention. He does it all. He sets us. And, and I'm recognizing that because as we have talked about family for so long, here's the revelation I feel like I'm receiving, is that we absolutely have good motives. We do. There is, and I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, there is not one single person on this leadership team that has a bad motive. Amen, Kristen? Amen. We all have good motives. I believe that with everything in me. But the thing that I think that God wants to install within us is kingdom methods there's something different about motives and methods and there is something about the setting and there it's not chaotic but it's intentional there there is an there is an intentionality there is an action there is an outside force that is acted upon and God creates the family not just to be huggable but to be strong supported by a skeletal structure You guys ain't getting this. I'm going too deep, ain't I? You see, with family, everybody wants the hug, right? We want that soft, ooey, gooey, warm, nice and comfy flesh, right? Because nobody wants to hug a bony skeleton, right? But if you don't have the skeletal structure, then all you have is a pile of goo on the ground that goes nowhere, and so, what I feel like the Lord did in us, because I do think one precedes the other, is that the Lord came in and purified our motives. He said, "I want you to see other people the way I see them. I want you to see each other the way I see you. I want you to understand that this is about, um, you know, loving each other as I have loved you." Right? That's what he said in the in the in the at the Last Supper, and. Um, But it's not just about the motives that I've given you, it's also about the methods that I've given you. And so now, I want to create a structure that family embodies that's going to carry the gospel generationally. And when God decided to build His house, He didn't do so chaotically. And I'm I'm about to close with this because we're going to have to live stream in another 19 minutes. But do you guys get what I'm saying? I'm speaking prophetically for the future, is that God said, I'm going to build my house. And I don't know if you've ever read the Old Testament in how he gave the artisan's instructions on how he wanted his house built, but it was so succinct. It was so meticulous. It was down to the square inch. He cared about the colors. He cared about the textures. He cared about the clothes that the priest was going to wear. He cared about the gemstones that were going to go in the breastplate. He cared about the hats that they were going to wear. He cared about the songs that they were going to sing, how they were going to sing those songs, how skilled the musicians would be that would play those songs. He cared about the ornaments that were around uh, the edges. He cared about the pomegranates that had to be fashioned and then the table that had to be covered in gold and then the bread and how fresh it had to be and when it had to go up and then how the fire had to be lit and how the priest had to wear the bells and all these things that he meticulously ordained for how his house was supposed to function. Why do we think that all of that meticulous care and love and intentionality and action that God has taken for thousands of years all all of a sudden disappeared because we had the Holy Spirit? And I'm not saying that we're supposed to, you know, do this thing like the Old Testament temple. But what I am saying is that there is an intentionality, there is a methodology, there is a structure, there is uh, very clear and explicit details in which how Jesus wants to build His church in the New Testament. It's all in Scripture. And I feel like the next dimension for us, Legacy Church. And I know, I know now, like a lot of people are watching us online, and we welcome you guys. But I'm saying for Legacy Church, there is a. I'm I'm speaking prophetically today, and I hope it's okay. I'm just prophetically processing. There is a structure that's coming to the house. All right, I don't know how long it's going to take, so I'm not giving you no dates. All right, James Gall ain't here. Sorry, but look, I'm telling you, there is a method, there is a structure, and there is a setting. That God's gonna do that's gonna allow us to take the family message to the next level, to the next layer, and it's gonna better prepare it to be exported to the nations. As I close, let me give you one more scripture in which God set. First Corinthians twelve twenty eight, and God hath set, we say set. In the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly, teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, and diversities of tongues. God has set. I'm telling you, there's something that's coming to the house, and I don't think it's just about us. And it's it's for the message of the family to emerge. We're not just gonna be a pile of goo that people can hug when they feel comfortable. That's great. But we're going to enter into a process with the Lord in which we allow one another to be cut up just a little bit, polished just a little bit, and come into that finalized product position so that we can do everything that God has purposed us to do. You have a purpose, and the purpose starts with where God has designed you to be set. Set. I talked to some missionaries this week, and they said, how do I decide where to go? I said, it ain't about where. It's about with who. God has designed you to be set. Amen? Amen. All right, let me pray for you. I know we got to close. In Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you so much for the setting. In Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you so much for the design. In Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you that you have chosen not to leave us as solitaire Individuals isolated into our own devices. But Lord, you have designed us to flourish and to function within the context of a community. And that is not what we invent, God, but that is what Jesus builds. And we thank you that that's the church of the living God. We thank you that that's the church of Jesus Christ. We thank you that it's not a man made structure, that it's not an organization, but it's a living, breathing organism. And we just submit ourselves this morning. We bow our knee to what you're doing, God. And we say, no business as usual. We say revival, we say increase, we say more, and we say presence, Lord. Lead us, guide us, be our compass, be our true north, Jesus. We only want you in this process. Lord, anything I've shared today that is, didn't come from you, let it fall to the ground and die. But every single thing that did come from you today, Lord, I pray that it would take root in our hearts and that we would come together like never before. And in a spirit of unity, we'd have an upper room experience and as a result we'd have an experience of the Acts chapter 2 early church revival as well as everything that you have intended for the 21st century church and the revival to come forth in this season. Lord, we're not just looking upon yesteryear. Uh, idealizing, and romantically fantasizing about what it would have been like then. God, we know there's a greater glory for us, and we lean into that, and we say thank you, Lord, for bringing it forth through us, through your church, through your body, through your city. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said amen, amen, and amen. Thanks for tuning into the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.